Religion sometimes brings out the worst in people. It makes them narrower, more bigoted, and more apt to hate and kill. Religion can be distorted and turned into something repulsive, such as fanatism and bigotry. In that sense, religion becomes synonymous with narrow-mindedness and intolerance. And this is what happened to both Jeremiah in the Old Testament and Jesus in the New Testament. In the first reading, we are told, the word of God came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you and made you a prophet to the nations. So the call of Jeremiah was divinely ordained. Even in the mother's womb, the Lord knew him. The Lord appointed him. And when he was born, he consecrated him. So his call is not something that Jeremiah took upon himself. It was the Lord who called him. But the Lord called him and said, Say to the people, Everything I command you. But here he comes. They will fight against you. But they will not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Jeremiah was a young boy who was called. And he was called during the crisis moment of the history of Israel. The people had become too worldly, too materialistic, and religion had no place in their life. Their religion was mere external show. And they even went to the extent of forming alliances with pagan nations. And Jeremiah had to rise up to speak against this false security that the people were seeking for themselves. He told them that alliance would never work. The only alliance that would work would be the alliance with the Lord. Observing the commandments and the laws of the Lord. Keeping their relationship with God. But what happened? They saw him as a traitor. They revolted against him. They bundled him and threw Jeremiah into the cistern. But thank God it was an empty cistern and a Cushiat, who was the servant of the king, took him out. Jeremiah's life was a mess because the people from whom he was sent, to whom he was sent, became the obstacle in his life, became those who were enemies and fighting against him. And so at some point in time, Jeremiah said and complained to God, Yahweh, you have seduced me and I have allowed myself to be seduced. I am a man of peace, but when I speak, it is for war. You can imagine being in the shoes of the young Jeremiah. He said, when your words came to me, I devoured them. It was sweet in my mouth. 
but it was bitter and sour in my tummy. In other words, he delighted in being the prophet of God, but the responsibility entrusted to this young man was too much for him. And history says, tradition says that Jeremiah was whisked from the promised land by his enemies into Egypt, where probably he died. Probably the only prophet who died outside Palestine, dying on a foreign land. Like so many prophets before and after Jeremiah, Jesus was rejected by his own people. And we are told Jesus returned to Nazareth where he had been brought up and went into the synagogue and they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he opened it up and read, the spirit of the Lord has been given to me for he has anointed me. He has sent me to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to captives and to the blind new sight, to set the town trodden free, to proclaim the Lord's year of favor. Beautiful. And he goes on to say, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And everybody applauded him. They admired him. They were very happy when he mentioned the good news. Setting them free. Healing. In as much as they hear what they wanted to hear, they were happy with him. But then, as soon as he pointed out the truth, of their self-insurance, their self-security, their faith and false identity, they were furious and were trying to eliminate him. Are we different from the people of the time? Aren't we the pick and choose Catholics? What some people call the cafeteria Catholics. Catholics. When things are good and make us comfortable, that is a good doctrine. But the moment that the doctrine challenges us and our mode of living, we raise hell against it. Yet all these doctrines are the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They come through the instrumentality of divine revelation. We cannot be pick and choose. Truth is always sacrosanct. It doesn't matter whether people believe in it or not. You know, I get so upset when I read articles when people are saying uh, opinion pool says that 60% or 64% of Catholics don't believe in this. What the hell? I don't care. Even if it's 100%, I don't care. Because truth is always the truth even if nobody believes in it. And the ontological truth 
It's a divinely revealed truth through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit. And I don't care whether people will say, well, I don't want to believe it. That is your choice. It's between you and your God. I don't have to break my neck over that. And falsehood will always remain false even if everybody believes in it. You know one thing? It's easier to propagate falsehood than the truth. And compounding the situation is the social media and our news platforms. Whether they are traditional or they are social media platforms. Fake news travel faster and quicker. But the truth is very difficult to promote. How come? Have you ever thought that our children who are brought up in the faith, they are children of the light, isn't it? They are children of God by the fact of their baptism and confirmation. But they are easily, easily lured into darkness by those who challenge the faith. We call that peer pressure. Can't that peer pressure work the other way around instead of the way it works today? They draw our cherished young ones, those we love so much, those we've invested so much in the faith, they lure them into negativities, but our children cannot lure their friends into the light. Truth will eventually reign supreme. Truth is always the truth, even if nobody believes in it. Cafeterianism in Catholicism has no place. You either drink deep or you don't drink at all. The people wanted to kill Jesus because he reminded them of how God sent the prophet Elijah to a widow of Zarephath when heaven rained shut, remained shut for three and a half years. There were many widows in Israel at that time, yet God sent prophet to this particular woman who wasn't a Jew. He was, she was a pagan. But she had love. She proved her love for God and for the man of God by offering all she had even though she wasn't a Jew. The Jews were angered because Jesus also reminded them of Elisha's time of how he cured the Syrian Naaman of his leprosy, even though there were many lepers in Israel. He reminded them of how their pride and holier-than-thou attitude had denied them of God's blessings and that got them infuriated. Jesus eroded their false sense of security by making them aware that being God's people is a call to responsibility and not a mere privilege. Being a Catholic is a call to responsibility and mission. It's not a privileged situation that we should be only proud about, but do not do what goes with it. 
In fact, there is no room in the kingdom of God for privileges and favoritism. God's charity begins where there is human need and faith to receive it and the love to share that favor as were the cases of the widow of Nazareth, the widow of Zarephath, and the Syrian Naaman, both of whom were pagans. Christianity should rather bring out the best in people, not the worst in people. True religion should liberate the heart and mind and foster harmonious relationships with others rather than creating dissension among them. St. Paul in the second reading mentions that anyone who practices true religion should strive for the highest gift of love and to grow more and more in patience, kindness, truthfulness, trust, hope, and endurance. If this category is set before us, where do we stand? Can we really say we are true believers of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we practice the true faith? Christianity should make us kind to accept other people as they are by accepting that people are different and their ways are different. There are some among us who are quick to be angry. The least thing you do to them upset them and they are ready to start a quarrel. Even when you do not smile to them. Or you answer them without looking straight into their eyes, they are upset. When you pack in their packing lot, the looks they will give you, you wouldn't like it. What about if you sit in the place they have been sitting all these years in the pew? They come look at you and in fact, if you are conscious, you will get up. You know, we get upset about people who pick fight with them for mere trivial reasons. Something that probably are non-existent. Something that the other might not even be thinking about it. Yet, we call ourselves Christians. As Christians, we are called to delight in the truth. To try to understand better, to embrace Christ's message of love no matter how demanding it might seem. Like Jeremiah and Jesus, we are to speak the truth, no matter the costs, and not to live in antagonism with those who challenge us to the truth, or those who practice different religion and faith. At times you don't want to have anything to do with other people who are not Catholics as if religion brings about segregation. Oh, dearly beloved, no. Whether they are Baptists, whether they are Mormons, whether they are Catholics, whether they are Pentecostals, whether whatever you want to call them, whether they are Jewish, whether they are Muslims, they are all created in the image of God. And they deserve that respect, kindness, and love. And at times, we have a common agenda in promoting the kingdom of God, whether they are Baptists or who. The same kingdom of God. Yet, 
there's strife. There is unhealthy competition and unnecessary kind of dissension and conflict. Do we need those things? We don't. That is not a Christianity Jesus gave us. Today we are admonished not only to call ourselves Christians as the Jewish regarded themselves merely as the children of Abraham, but to prove our faith through our love, through our hope in Christ Jesus, and by adhering to his salvific and enduring word of love and leaving that out. We are here today. We come to experience the love of God. And there's no love than somebody to give his life as a ransom for his friends. When we were sinners, Christ suffered. And when we celebrate the Eucharist, we come to celebrate that. And when we go out, we are to go and share that love, to radiate that love, to live that love, and not to live dissension and animosity. May the Holy Spirit help us to be genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, to be genuine Christians who practice genuine Christianity and genuine Catholicism. Amen. Amen.